Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. How would a scientist approach getting stronger and leaner? Is cardio getting in the way of your fat loss goals? And do we really need things to be a struggle in order to prove that we're smart, special, or strong? Dr. John Jaquish is a scientist, inventor, and now author of Weightlifting is a Waste of Time, So Is Cardio, and There's a Better Way to Have the Body You Want. He's very outspoken about how the fitness industry is a failure, and he believes he has the scientific data to back up his claims. He invented the X3 home fitness product, which can fit in a bag. And he claims that, along with an unconventional diet, by using this thing for only 10 minutes a day, you can have the body of someone who spends hours in the gym every week. Full disclosure, I don't own the X3 product at this time, and I was not compensated in any way for conducting this interview. As I was reading through this book, there was a lot of stuff that I was, it just sounded a little too good to be true, but let's start in with your story. Um, where were you a few years ago? Describe your world. Cause I, I went into this, I saw pictures of you before I read the book and I was like, oh, this guy's been a fitness buff his whole life. Like he's been a bodybuilder. You're all chiseled up and you're this, you know, this, no, the this- day I turned 40, I was not big and kind of chubby. Okay. Like most regular guys who were, you know, late thirties, early forties. So, you know, I definitely had, had not seen my abs for years. And what were kind of the conventional things that you were believing at the time? What was, what were the conventional beliefs that you were buying into about fitness back then? Yeah, I've been a scientist for a while. So I did my, I finished my PhD in 2012. <clears throat> so I already didn't believe in any of it. But I was doing it because I just didn't have the time to really focus on it. And like just a little, a little bit of my background, I, I developed uh, the world's most powerful medical device that reverses osteoporosis, builds bone density. And uh, in that process, so the, what the device does, and I did it to treat my mother's osteoporosis, and then uh, and it kind of grew from there. And now there's hundreds of thousands of people being treated in eight different countries. Um, it's called OsteoStrong. So. 
when looking at all these things together, and especially the data coming off of my medical device, I realized I'm the only guy in the world that has data that shows that weightlifting is awful. Like, it is a totally lame stimulus. And you knew this early on, and you just didn't, you just kind of went with the status quo, or, or, or was this all starting to come together at a certain point? It was and- coming together in my head. I hadn't written anything down. I hadn't talked to anybody yet. And every time I go to lift, I'd be like, this is stupid. Like this, this is just dumb. Like I'm just wasting my time here. And uh, developing a new product is that doesn't happen overnight. I'm getting this context where there's a lot of guys that are in lockdown right now. They're they're getting flabby, and maybe they're they're putting. It, it's really common for these guys. Like you know what? Now's the time. I'm going to get back in shape. They start yeah. throwing heavy things around. They get injured. Now they're worse off because they've got to rehab this thing. They're frustrated. They go downhill mentally and emotionally. It's like, this is never going to happen. Um, right. You know, th- that that time's passed and I'm just going to be in pain from now on. And now this this is coming in with these ideas of like, wait, wait a second. Weightlifting's stupid. And you also are really clear that cardio is pretty stupid uh, in, in terms it of... Depends. It, it depends. Right, right. So, I mean, like, like, is there ever a reason to lift weights? Well, if you're a competitive weightlifter, yes. Is there a reason to do sustained... Cardio. Well, if you're a marathon runner and you really like going distances, yeah, sure. I mean, like, I'm not saying that like an entire sport is wrong because uh, they exist on their own merit. But but for most of us that are just wanting to feel better, feel yeah, stronger, if you just want to be in shape. Like, if you want to be lean and strong, which is pretty much everybody's goal. I always love it when people say, well, I want a customized program. It's like, shut up. You want the same thing everybody else does. <laughs> um, the uh, Yeah, it's so stupid. Like, oh, do you want to be fatter? Yeah. <laughs> is, is, that, is that the difference for you? I don't think you do. Um, so, yeah, you want to be strong and lean. So, okay. The whole objective behind cardio as we're told, is cardio is for losing weight and strength is for gaining muscle. Um, cardio doesn't help you lose weight. It actually keeps you from losing body fat. Now, your weight may go down, but the weight loss is primarily the loss of muscle. And it protects body fat. So it doesn't put more body fat on you. But it makes sure you don't lose the body fat you have which is the opposite of what people want. Right. So and they're walking so- and walking or they're running and running or they're cycling and cycling in order to lose body fat. But inherently because of that activity, the body's saying, wait a second, we need to store fuel because you're, you want to move longer distances and, and for a longer right. period of time. Right. It's like, it's like your central nervous system is an engineering team that you can't talk to. And it's trying to turn you into the vehicle that is optimized for the environment as much as it can so if you tell your body by doing cardio that you want to be an economy car well it's going to lighten the frame meaning you'll lose bone density and cardio people do lose bone density it goes to a dangerously low degree um they have smaller engines economy cars don't have big v10 engines right they have small four-cylinder engines or Mm -hmm. small V6s. Uh, You're going to increase your fuel storage capacity, so you'll have a a bigger tank, which is like storing body fat. So, like, distance runners are what's called skinny fat. 
So they don't have a low level of body fat. They don't, you don't, you don't see a lot of muscularity on them, but their musculature is very small. Like this is none of this I'm telling is my opinion. There's 40 years of clinical data on this and it's ignored. The fitness industry just ignores it. And uh, it's really because the industry just doesn't understand reading scientific studies. Just there's just nobody there that can really interpret it and, and teach it. And there's also no business model. So if, I, if I'm wrapping my brain around this at a real basic level, cardio is basically designing, setting up my body so that I don't lose fat efficiently because it thinks I need the fat in order to or have longer all. fuel stores. And then if I'm lifting weights, I'm not doing it efficiently. And I'm also setting myself up for injury because of the way that the movements are designed and I'm more prone to injury, but I didn't quite understand how weight, how lifting weights uh, in the conventional sense is is hindering my ability to to lose weight. Can you speak to that? It's just an inefficient stimulus. So, the, the, I mean, the, the easiest way to drive your percentage body fat down is to gain muscle, because you know, of every pound of muscle compared to the same fat mass, the fat mass is going down by percentage, right? So when people gain muscle and don't put on body fat, they're getting leaner. They might not change their total body fat, but their percentage body fat's going down. So they certainly look a lot better. Uh, then on top of that, the, the new musculature is a metabolic engine that is using calories. Like the calories in, calories out thing is way oversimplified. To the, I mean, and oversimplified means wrong. But – Calories do still matter. They're just a lot of other parts to that story. Okay. And what if what if I'm an uh, you know weekend warrior? Like I'm a surfer. I don't necessarily want to be heavier. Is this approach still for somebody like me, where I want to be stronger, I want to be leaner, but I don't necessarily want to be packing on pounds of, of right. weight because what? it's harder. You know, I got to paddle more. I got to. I need a bigger board. All that kind of stuff. Even the people on the website uh, who've gained more than 20 pounds of muscle in six months, number one, they ate for it. So you got to have like a, a, a lot of high quality protein to be able to put on that kind of muscle that fast. The other thing is a lot of them are at the same body weight, but they lost 20 pounds of body fat and put on 20 pounds of muscle. And I think that's what most people are after when launching the product so I, I first i didn't want to launch this thing i want to treat it like my medical device I just want to license the intellectual property and have it basically be somebody else's problem and i could go you know drink uh drink a fun drink at the at the beach right uh, which i still do every once in a while but i brought it to a number of fitness companies and and they're like oh you want to make a scientific argument to the fitness community and they all, they, every one of them said exactly the same thing. These are the dumbest people. You wouldn't believe how unintelligent the fitness community is. And it'll never happen. You'll never be able to sell them science. They'll never understand it. That's crazy because there's usually is this kind of 
talk about all the hormones and all the, you know, they do all this stuff. It's, it's from the that's outside. The, I'm looking uh, at from the outside. There's that's this not the fitness industry. That's not the fitness industry. Okay. So the, the people that are making the products are the ones that they don't really care about. You're saying they don't care about the data. They don't care about that stuff. They just want to make a product and, and push it. Well, I shouldn't generalize. I mean, it's not all, but okay. um, it, is a, it is a very high percentage. But the consumer in in the fitness industry, people are still buying branch chain amino acids. Branch chain amino acids were proven worthless 20 years ago. Absolutely worthless. You might as well be swallowing sand. It's just it's the wrong ratios to be useful for the human body. Mm-hmm. But they're cheap to make. And I, I like every big supplement company has got a BCAA product. So, you know, you just go, okay, well. Sounds healthy. So it must up, be dummies, it's Yeah. One of the things I came across in your, in your book was this idea, um, you know, we, I grew up in the in the era of no pain, no gain. It wasn't a good workout unless you're really sore afterwards. I always hated being sore because then I couldn't go do the activities I wanted to do. Um, what's yeah. happening when our body gets sore? Because you, you're like, if you're, if you're sore, you're, it, that's, not a, that's, not, that's not a good thing. So what are we, what's happening there? I don't want to be overly positive when it comes to the subject because like when you're using my technology it's the hardest workout you've ever had in fact dr sean baker he's uh he's an orthopedic surgeon he's he's the carnivore doctor well actually i think he and paul saladino are gonna have a pistol duel to decide who gets to call themselves at um (laughs) we should do pistol duels get back into that yeah yeah Yeah. and paces yeah (laughs) Oh yeah, ten paces, turn fire. Yeah, what's wrong with that? It yeah. Sounds good. We can do it with paintballs. Okay. You know, like right. no one needs to get hurt, but yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a great idea. Yeah. I like it. Like settled. I don't want to challenge. I want to hit him in the face with a white calfskin glove <laughs> and say I challenge you to a duel. Yes. All right. It's, it's got to be in the yeah. street. And we'll use, we'll use paintball guns. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. My Bring aim is set, so I'm not gonna do it. Uh so, uh, Dr. Baker, he is, um, he's a world record strength athlete. Uh, he's number of world records, deadlift, indoor rowing, a couple other things. Very powerful guy. Uh, and, and when he started using X3, he and I have been friends and we've been exchanging science because I talk a lot about his program and he talks uh, some about mine. And um, it was funny because he he said a whole bunch of stuff I really didn't want him to say. And he goes, yeah, this is like the hardest thing I've ever done. He's like, I'm a world record strength, uh, strength holder. And uh, I I, like this is the hardest thing I've ever done. So this system that this system that you can put in a bag and take on a flight with you is the hardest thing this guy's ever done. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like one of the strongest guys out there. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, man, like, you really need to say that? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's hard, but I mean, I invented it. So it's like it's my kid, you know, right. like I don't I don't see it as hard, mm-hmm. but it's it's really hard, okay. uh, but it's quick. So and I find that people are not lazy. They really like having their time optimized, though. Well, the whole 10 minutes thing, I mean, the, it just yeah. my eyebrows went up. I was like, this is bullshit. Like you don't need to do anything else. So, so w- once Baker said that, sales sales totally improved. Like his 
I think a lot of people who thought it was like something easy, like as soon as they realized it was hard, they're like, wait a minute, that means it's really heavy. Okay, I'm in. So uh, yeah, that, that was that was just kind of we I, we didn't even like discuss that as an experiment in marketing. He just went ahead and said it. Yeah, uh, yeah, but th- that was kind of funny. So um, I also didn't design it to be a short workout. Like it, it's not short. It's exactly as long as it needs to to stimulate the maximum amount of muscle growth. And then people say, you know, why is there only one set per movement? How, how many sets do you do in the sun to get a suntan? Yeah, you know, people look at me like, what do you mean? Yeah. You don't want. You just go out and your skin's stimulated. Right. Same with stimulating a callus. Same with any other adaptive response. The only multiple exposure adaptive response that people traffic in is weightlifting. And it's because the stimulus is garbage. Hmm. And then what's happening, come back to my question about soreness and, and just feeling like I can't, I can't move that next day. So what's, what's the difference between exhaustion, which sounds like, okay, that's what the muscle needs in order to, to get the benefits. But then there's this, the soreness that you're, that you were talking about and said, well, there's something off if, if things are getting sore. Did I misunderstand that? Or what, what's your take on? No, on no, muscles? you got it. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so soreness is not a good thing. <clears throat> soreness means muscle damage. Now, there is a myth out there that, uh, and I mean, this is like, like almost every fitness person believes this, and it's so idiotic. It's just not, not at all true. Uh, I mean, it's not even how adaptation works, but you create micro tears in the muscle, and then they grow back stronger. That's the that's the convention. That's the belief. I mean. That's so foolish and ignorant of physiology. I, yeah, I mean, it's just like, I can't believe anybody believed that. Like I heard that when I was a kid and I was, <clears throat> I think I thought about it when I was in like high school biology and I, you know, read the rest of, I'm reading my biology book and I'm like, that's idiotic. Like, that's not how that works. Hmm. Micro tears. Turns out the people who have the most micro tears are cardio athletes. They don't build any muscle. They lose it. Wow. So, yeah, so micro tears is not how the growth process happens. In fact, there is, uh, I think there's four different studies, and I detail these in, uh, in, the, in the book, Weightlifting is a Waste of Time, that muscle damage is, the, is inversely related to growth. Because you can only do so much protein synthesis in a night. You basically grow at night. Most of the protein synthesis that happens while you're sleeping. If you have to attenuate damage, you can't grow new tissue because you're repairing. <clears throat> so damage is not the goal. It's the opposite of the goal. You want to fatigue the muscle without any damage. And variable resistance does that. So heavy loads in the weakest range of motion, that's where the damage comes from. And if I'm thinking like that's at the bottom of a push-up, my, my chest is on the ground, like that's where I tend to feel like I injure myself if I'm yep. if I'm doing you- that injuring yourself yeah okay yeah so so soreness is not a not an indicator that we got a good workout in fact it probably means that we we went too far and we actually worked against ourselves no i could you know how like sometimes you do heavyweight workout and then like the next day there's like no way you could play golf or tennis yeah that sucks yeah because you just like can't move yeah i mean i could do a day after you know a heavy chest workout where i'm 
using over 500 pounds for 20 repetitions on my chest. I could do archery, golf, tennis, knife throwing, axe throwing. I do axe throwing sometimes. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I feel like. Want to bring I'm, that back? You want to? Yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah. Duel with axes. It gets a little no, messier than paintball. A little messier. Yeah, we could, we could get some softer axes that would just hurt a little bit. The point is settling an argument. It's not killing you. Because Quickly. remember, when when the, the, the pistols at dawn, you were shooting a little ball of lead, which would usually just bounce off somebody and create a major wound, but wouldn't kill them. Okay. Like, those weren't designed to kill anybody. Yeah. It sucks. Like, yeah, you could get it. You, you could hit somebody in the temple and kill them. But that was uh, yeah. rare. Okay. I hear Did you, you know Andrew Jackson would actually have pistol duels? At the White House? I didn't know he had him at the White House, no. I, I don't know that's 100% true, but I have read it. Okay. Somebody in Congress is like, what the hell was <laughs> Mr. President? And he's like, pistols in the morning. Pistols, here we go. With well, the mm -hmm. white glove first. Uh, yes. I, this, there's, it's coming back. I can see the resistance to this because there is a there is this attachment we have to needing things to be hard. Because I, I, I encounter this with guys that I coach that – they tend to find the hard way to do things because they're still stuck in this thing of needing to prove something. If it, if it was quote easy, then I don't know. There's something that that's less than about that approach. So here comes all the science, all the data. Let me, let me, let me jump in right here. They identify with their struggle. Like it's almost like they're trying to use a victimhood mentality in some sort of positive way. Is I a lot of the guys that want to argue with me, you know, of course they've never read the book. I'm wondering if they can actually read. <laughs> I mean, they're not the smartest. This is, you know, this is a sideways hat gym guy. So, uh, you know, they'll say, well, you know, what about this or what about that? And, you know, they're just throwing out like gibberish, like, like stuff that doesn't even make scientific sense. And yeah, so we identify with the difficulty and the struggle that somehow makes us feel better about ourselves. What do you, the, the reason I brought that up is because those guys, it's like their identity is I lift dangerous weights. So therefore I'm badass. And you're like, yeah, but you know, is the goal to talk about how dangerous your workout is or is the goal to get results? Like the guys, who, guys who are Navy SEALs don't say, I know the target is one mile behind enemy lines, but I want you to drop me off a hundred miles inside enemy lines so I can just, you know, kill a lot more people. Right. They don't do that. They minimize risk also. All smart people minimize risk and maximize effect. It's an unwise approach. And for some reason, the, um, you know, also with, with online community, it's like how much you bench is like a thing. Still? And, That's still a thing? Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and you see people with really sloppy form, twisting their body, you know, moving one shoulder forward yeah. because they've injured the other one doing the same thing. I was going to say they're <clears> at <throat> surgery in six weeks, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, check out how much I bench. And you're like, all right, uh, you didn't bench anything because that was so sloppy and you didn't really complete the rep. Right. And number two, all you're doing is hurting yourself. So just stop. Like okay. there's, no, there's no reward for that. Yeah. I, I like to, I like to challenge that belief because a lot of times we resist easy uh, or easier. Uh, there's that, that part of us that identifies with if it's the struggle, then I'm somehow exceptional. 
uh, this is where I get to be special because I'm not part of the herd that's taking things easier or just sitting on the couch or whatever. I like the way you're just, you're just discerning. This it was like, look, if, if you're, if you're clear on your goals, which is to be fit, to be strong and to be effective at it. As strong then, and lean as you can be. Right. Yeah. Then don't get caught up in this ego trap. If you want to go do the ego thing, you can, but if, if, if you want to, use the data and the way that you're interpreting it and the way that you're coming at it and say, look, this is, this can be much more effective um, than, than you're offering something different there. You mentioned something in the book about how the, the fitness industry is not, has a 99% failure rate. Can you explain that? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I didn't realize at the time when I wrote it, but that's probably one of the most powerful and understandable, relatable things that I said, because a lot of guys who are gym guys, they reach out to me and they're like, you know what? You're right. Almost nobody that goes to the gym, you you never know. Like you'd never see any changes in them for years. And we all know, like I know, I could probably name 50 people that I know that I've, I've seen them go to the gym for years. They don't look like they work out at all. Mm-hmm. They're just... They're, they are as average looking <clears throat> as the guys who don't work out mm-hmm. at all. So ultimately, you have to, and also keep in mind, one in six males over 18 in America have used anabolic steroids. Wow. So that means that almost every one of those has failed also. So when somebody sees somebody that's in shape and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you did a whole bunch of drugs. No, I'm sure you worked really hard. Because even the people who take drugs fail. Wow. One in six, one in six males is, has tried anabolic steroids? Has used or is using. Wow. Yeah. That blew me away. I'm like, God, like, I didn't think I knew any. I knew some guys on my rugby team uh, in undergrad. I, wow. I played rugby for Sac State. Um, yeah. I mean, like. Well, it, it also it was, points to a, to a mindset where we're willing to actually we're actually not trying to make our bodies stronger we just want to make them bigger it's more about appearance than what's best for my body well, what's best like for my rugby if you're a forward being heavy is an advantage mm-hmm. uh, but i guess i'm thinking long term is like i'm willing to just destroy myself in order for this objective i got right whether it's for the sport or it's for how i look yeah. or welcome to competitive things. sports yeah <laughs> not about health with the, so i work with a lot of nfl players about 10 of them and uh, I love these guys for two reasons. One is it's great because like everybody online, every 14-year-old kid who has a, a visible bicep vein is accused of being on steroids because there's so <laughs> many jealous people out there that just can't stand it when they see somebody who's had some success. They just want to tear them down. Mm. So it's like, okay, look at the NFL players. They're tested regularly. And these guys are like a lean 235, mm-hmm. you know, like a running back. So if they're if they can do it naturally, so can you. Is that true though? I mean, how much does genetics play into play into that? Make that your next question. I will nail that. Okay. Uh, uh, so, so the second reason I like NFL players is they don't care at all how much they bench. They think it's an idiot's metric. It's a way to get hurt. All they want to do is perform better on the field because that's how they make millions of dollars. They don't make millions of dollars by posting videos on Facebook with shitty bench press form. Mm -hmm. That's not how that works. 
So I'm like, yeah, you, you probably should never bench press again. And they're like, awesome. Great. Yeah. I had no interest in doing that ever. It's an injury but, waiting to happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, my, I do it because it makes me a better football player, but <clears throat> like, we don't like that. And oh, they hate squatting because it's like the chances of just a small knee irritation that might take three tenths of a second off their 40 time. Mm -hmm. That's a real problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like letting the air out of your tires before the race starts. Right. Like, don't do that. Right. So, uh, yeah, they they are they are great for those two reasons. Love these guys. Now, I work with more NBA players in NFL, uh, and they all use X3. Now, the entire Miami Heat team uh, is using X3 exclusively, and then uh, a couple others, uh, some guys on the Knicks. Uh, you know, I don't plaster the name all over everything. There's just a wall of athletes. And um, so so uh, your next question, the genetics. Yeah, because if I'm sitting if I'm sitting here and I'm listening to this and I'm and I'm thinking, well, I, I'm not in shape because I'm just not genetically predis. You know, my, my genetic makeup is that mm -hmm. I'm going to be built this way. This is what is natural for me. So my, what, are, what are your thoughts about that? My latest Instagram post. Now, I couldn't put like, you know, a chapter of the book in an Instagram post. They won't even let me do that. Um, <clears throat> but I talk about how um, Petrella in 2008 in the Journal of Applied Physiology, which is best journal, you know, on, on sports science. So like a lot of strength studies pick strength athletes. And so if they're able to build strength, then they're probably able to build more strength. So... What these guys did is they took a random sample of the U.S. population. And then they tested them for triggering muscle protein synthesis by a standard weightlifting program, you know, with like three sets of <clears throat> bench, squat, deadlift. 25%, I think it was actually 25.7. 25.7% of the participants in the study were unable under any circumstances to trigger any muscle growth at all. Why? Why is that? I'll get to that. And the rest of them had very nominal results. So these weren't athletes. These were regular people. And, you know, I mean, you read this story and the authors didn't say this, but the natural conclusion was like fitness programming sucks. Like, <laughs> like, wow. Like, what a waste. Now, I mean, that conclusion of that study was totally where my head had already been. And you know, I read this and I'm like, I can explain exactly why. Because, and there's a whole nother section of the book about genetic potential. I'll, I'll explain what I'm doing for the listeners that aren't watching the video. Right. But if somebody looks at a human's pectoral and then, you know, it's attached to the sternum, which is the middle of your body, middle of your chest. And then the other attachment point is on the humerus bone, the upper arm. Now, usually it's very close to the start of that bone, like sort of right underneath where uh, your bicep kind of starts near your near your armpit, but close to the top of the bone. And it the, the objective of the pectoral is to bring the arm across the body or bring the humerus bone towards the midline of the body. So humerus bone towards the midline of the body. Uh, we have 
different tendon layouts. Some people, instead of having it attached close to the top of the humerus, they have attachment points that are very far away from, uh, from the origin, meaning they have a longer lever arm. Right, like you know, like it's you find a rock in the in the backyard and you can't pick it up, <clears throat> then you get a smaller rock and a crowbar and you can lift that thing up right away. You know, somebody's like, oh, it's a five hundred pound rock. How are you doing that? Well, because I have a ten foot crowbar mm-hmm. and it's a long lever arm. So the people who have a longer lever arm have a stronger, weaker range of motion than most people do. So they're stronger at the at the point where most of us can't you know, at the weakest part of the movement. I think what what hasn't been said here is that it it might be a given. I had to learn this, that when in any given movement, let's say we're looking at a pushup that we are stronger at different points in that we're strongest at the most outward point and weakest at the most compressed when we're arms are in. And everybody's like that, including these people with the, uh, the, the tendon advantage. But when you train with variable resistance, especially high degree of variable resistance, which is the technology I designed, none of that shit matters at all. You bypass everything. So, which is why for the first 40 years of my life, I tried to be, you know, a strength athlete and I just didn't, I mean, nothing, nothing worked. I was just kind of, I ended up just being kind of chubby because I kept, you know, thinking I was eating for size you know, and platter of ribeyes with no muscle stimulus. That, that's not a recipe for looking like a champion. Uh, it is if you get the proper muscle stimulus. But uh, so I, I just um, I was like the perfect example of somebody with poor genetics for being a strength athlete. And then I built my prototype. And within the first year, I gained 30 pounds of muscle. People would see me like month over month and they'd be like, what are you doing? Well, like, yeah, you had look- you already changed it? Yeah. Cause you, you've got a pretty radical eating. You, you go really into the, in the nutrition here, because we're not just saying that, that moving this bar, the, these bands around is what's going to do it. You, you really go into the nutrition a lot. So you, had you already established a pretty rigorous, yeah, radical I had nutrition for 13 years already. I was ketogenic before anybody was talking about it. But you were uh, still chubby. You were already you you were, you're describing yourself as chubby, even though you were in that ketogenic. Uh, yeah, I was twenty percent body fat. That's fat. Okay, and then yeah. and then so you didn't change anything, but you did you didn't change anything nutrition wise or how you were eating. But then you did change how you were moving, the type of workout you were doing, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what shifted this. And it turned on hormones. It it it, it changed everything. Not just moving muscles, but it it. Uh, you have so I knew. You had to have the proper building blocks. You basically have to have a gram of protein per pound of body weight. Is that true for everybody, or is that just true for a, a part of the bell curve? I, what, what what is that? Because there's there's everybody there's a tendency to want to hey we I found the thing and this is going to apply flat across everybody. It's true for everybody. Okay, that you know that that kind of gets me to like something that I I hear all the time. You know, like the whole everybody's different. Find out what's right for you. That's not true. Really? I mean, like, look at look. I, I could I could give you a hundred thousand different clinical studies on whether it's nutrition or biochemical responses to pharmaceuticals or whatever. And think about it: the test group, 
everybody turned out the same, the control group, everybody turned out the same in those groups. And it's the comparison of the two groups because there's a different variable between the two groups. Why don't they all bust up into a scatter plot of the 20 different types of people where everybody's different, find out what's right for you. Everybody's different, find out what's right for you was the medical community's way of allowing patients to cop out and not feel bad about their poor health. Hmm. My th- that's my theory. That's not science. So about getting fit with regards to, yeah, to getting like, fit. You know, like, like you know, I, I hear people all the time, well, my doctor says dieting doesn't work for me. And I'm like, mm, your doctor probably didn't want to get sued because your doctor probably told you you're fat. And I, you know, I, I, try, I try and make light of it because I, I want these people to stop making the excuses and just go, okay, you know, maybe I'm not different. Uh, you quit using and, that as a cop out. So yeah. Okay. And that's why I, I like my, the way I approach nutrition, it's pretty easy to stick to. There's some things that you kind of have to avoid long-term. Well, my like, understanding, it was like you, you have one meal a day and, and it's three or four steaks. That's what I read. Is that still yeah. the, the play? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and then it, I'll do, I'll do a fast, uh, you know, longer than, 24 hours. Uh, I'm in the middle of a 72 hour fast right now. So the last time I ate was Sunday, uh, Sunday night and it's Tuesday morning right now. So I haven't had, uh, and this is, this one's a dry fast. So I haven't had any food or water since, uh, okay. And in your world, like, is that the one size fits all that? Like you would prescribe that to anybody that that you talk to or, or how do you, how do you, how do you deal with the nutrition stuff? The way I'm doing it is, um, and, and I'm going to do a lot more writing on nutrition. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to come back to a point. It was the way of eating combined with the way of moving that triggered this effect in your body to shift because you'd already had, a, a by and large, the nutrition thing worked out. But when you started moving differently. If you have one and not the other, nothing happens. Okay. I want to make that really clear because it's really easy. Most people want to sell a device and be like, yeah, this is the thing that's going to change you. And you got to be really clear that. It, it, they go hand in hand with with what we're eating and how we're eating, and when. Yeah, if you don't body the building blocks. You know, if you if you hire a bunch of construction workers and don't give them any wood, you're not getting a house. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the the work you're doing with. Uh, is Tony Robbins to, uh, involved with Osteo Strong? Is that yeah. give me a little bit of background? What is, what is Osteo Strong, and then what's your involvement with Tony on that project? So Osteo Strong is a series of franchise clinics. Uh, there's 140, I believe. Um, and then there it's in eight different countries. So, uh, it's very successful, help a lot of people. Um, Tony's been promoting it, uh, and he's been a user of it since it was a prototype. Like, and what is, what is it compared to X3? So I understand the difference. It's a uh, series of medical devices that, uh, hit every point in the body and, and uh, stimulate bone growth, but the equipment is $120,000. X3 is $550, so it's very <laughs> different. Yes. It's, 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 OsteoStrong devices are the size of a couple of cars. Wow. Um, and there's a lot of computers and robotics. There's a robotic arm on everyone that ensures the correct uh, and repetitive positioning. Okay. Yeah. You got it. And what do, what do we need to know if we're, you know, we've crossed this threshold and it's like, hey, I'm starting to think about more, 
my body in a longer term. As as men, what do we need to be thinking about in terms of bone density? How does how does your program address the bone density issues we might be facing as we get older? It grows bone like we grow bone when we're kids. So it's it's an emulation of high impact. Without so the without it, the risk of energy or without, without the risk of impact, right? <clears throat> so it works for people of any age. Uh, now they need to not be damaging themselves uh, nutritionally. Like there's 20 different studies that show that vegan nutrition damages bone and you get osteoporosis much faster. Well, I recommend carnivore nutrition. I'm told that my recommendations are extreme. I disagree with that. I think they're well thought out and easily backed up by science. But okay, you can call it whatever you want. But, you know, eat animal protein, it will, you'll live longer. Uh, and, you know, and you're, and you're, you won't fracture a bone. You won't live in misery. The concepts and the ideas that you, that you're touting and you've, you've built the technology with X3. I mean, is X3 the only way that we can practice this stuff? If the guy out there can't, you know, lay down the bucks for for an X3 system right now, are there, are there ways that he could look at his current movement patterns and, and, and start to integrate some of the things that you're talking about into them? You know, I'd love to have like a starter X3 that instead of being $500 was $50. But here's the problem. Regular people who are pretty strong already would buy the $50 one and then it would shatter and injure them. And then, you know, they file a lawsuit. They'd all, they'd, everyone would want to buy the cheap one and act like it's the, it's the expensive one. Okay thought about it from a liability perspective it can't be done i got it all right here's the question i've been wanting to ask ask. your dad was part of the lunar rover project Mm -hmm. which is awesome but i got got more intrigued by what was written about the the system that he is this true he developed a system to protect the home garden from the intruders okay i gotta hear about this (laughs) well so my dad um when when you're a California resident, you you just kind of surrounded by animals and you love them. So you, you you know you want a garden and you don't want to put a big ugly fence around it, but you don't want deer taking one bite out of every tomato, right? You know, and just ruining the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So he, what he did was he had motion detector sprinklers. Uh, but he took the motion detector and hooked it up to different pipes and different sprinklers that would handle like 300 pounds per square inch. <laughs> and when the deer would, you know, they'd see the tomatoes and they'd see the cucumbers and all the vegetables in there and they'd kind of slowly walk. These things would trip on and they'd get hit with a beam of water that was just like, you know, getting punched by Mike Tyson, just bang. And, you know, we'd, we'd sit there in the lawn chairs and like, sometimes they'd be far enough away where it would come on and they would just get like kind of the spray. And even the spray was like so hard. They're like, no way, not going anywhere near there. (laughs) They they cut a wide berth around that garden. And, uh, and you know, the funny thing was, the raccoons could get underneath it, but the second they tripped it, it was so loud that scare. they were gone too. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it was like, like nobody ever took a bite out of anything. That's awesome. That's so just, good. 
Yeah, that's that's not where we go. All right, man. Well, I, this book, uh, Weightlifting is a Waste of Time, So is Cardio, and There's a Better Way to Have the Body You Want, uh, available everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. Go check that out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know Amazon is, uh, Amazon prints them. So I would go to Amazon. Okay. And then where do we, where do we learn more about X3? Um, you know, you can find everything. I did a landing page with like all the links. It's drj.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-J.com, the letter J. How'd you get that? I figured he would have got the, the main, the, 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 Julius Irving. (laughs) You know, he's been fishing for like the last 15 years. He slept Um, on that. I think he did have this website, but, uh, you know, I was contacted by a kind of domain broker and they're like, do you want this? And I was like, yeah. All right. Dr. J.com. Man, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, I I guess I'm Dr. J now. You got it. You got it. Hey man, it's been really good to connect with you. I've, I've appreciated you've, you've opened my eyes to a lot of things and, and, uh, you know, some of the things you're bringing here are going to be confronting for a lot of people. It'll be interesting to see how this stirs things up, but uh, looking forward to how you develop. You know, in a way, yes, in a way, no. I tell people like, if you're going to get emotional about a scientific issue, you've already defined yourself as a fool. (laughs) If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.